Hey there, listeners. Welcome back to Trash and Treasures, where we watch the movies other people throw away. My name is Vry, and with me, as always, is Dorothy. Hello. And this episode, we posted a viewer poll on our Twitter and let you guys pick the subject. And what you came up with, by a very close margin, honestly, <laughs> was 2020's host. Thank you. I still think we should have asked people to vote between host the host, the host, or the perfect host. <laughs> then there would have been a very real danger that we might have had to watch the host. <laughs> the Stephanie Myers one. Uh-huh. We can't be having that. I couldn't risk it. And the perfect host is not a good movie for 2020. <laughs> Just Although isn't. David Hyde Pierce is great. In oh, it. he's a delight. If you would like to watch a movie where- That is guys... essentially just David Hyde Pierce putting on a one-man show. Uh-huh. For a captive audience. And you know what? If that's all you're there for- it's worth a watch. <laughs> but I have to say, of our brand, host the Shudder movie is probably the better, the best choice. <laughs> this is a 2020 film. It One of them produced and released in 2020. is a 50-minute movie. If you 56 minute? You're right, because credits. Yeah. It's a 56-minute movie that is filmed entirely over Zoom. Well... Almost entirely. Yeah. Um, there are that's a couple hands... That's the conceit, anyway. And it, it mostly sticks to it, other than a couple of handheld bits. Yeah. And even those are supposedly in the Zoom window. Mm -hmm. I suspect they used traditional cameras and composited them into a Zoom screen. Just because I've worked with Zoom a lot, and the quality's a little better. <laughs> You suspect that perhaps they were not getting these shots via the, the, the stuttering of on Zoom. everybody's iPad. Honestly, this movie encapsulates so much of what I love about horror because it's kind of popped off a little bit over the past month or so, be partly because of its gimmick. You know, there were a lot of articles about <laughs> it, but it's a director who doesn't have that many credits aside of short work and a couple of television productions um, and actors who are largely minor actors. I think actors who have done minor parts. Um, I think one of the, the biggest credits is the woman who plays Gemma was Gemma. Yes. Whose name is Gemma. It's one of those horror movies. I God bless them. For just sticking to that decision to use everybody's actual names. So we have a Gemma and an Emma. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Gemma Moore was one of the guards in Wonder Woman. And that's about the biggest credit we're working with for this cast. But they're all quite good. I yeah. really like them. Especially given the constraints of their performance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the biggest name in this cast and crew is probably the special effects coordinator who worked on Alien vs. Predator. Which... Special effects are allowed to be the star of a horror movie. It's fine. His name is Stephen Bray, by the way. There is some stunt work here from a fairly accomplished stunt crew. It's understated, but the stunts are good. Yeah. They look natural. So kudos to you, Nathaniel Martin and Matthew McKay, the stunt coordinators, and your excellent crew. Most of the crew for this movie, at least the director and a lot of the stars have worked together previously on a short film called Dawn of the Deaf, which is an 11-minute short that's four deaf protagonists facing ableism in their day-to-day -day lives, and then there's a pitch that turns every hearing person into zombies, basically. 
Apparently they're making a feature of it. We watched it before we started the recording. It the was, short, I mean. Yeah. I would I would watch the feature. Yeah. There's some really interesting work with uh, subtitling mm-hmm. for, for people who can't read sign language that reminded me of the dynamic subtitling in um, that vampire movie. Uh, Nightwatch, which had uh, dynamic subtitling that was integrated into the film itself and influenced the impact of what you're seeing on screen. There was color coding, they, were mo- they moved and stuff. And that's what the subtitling in this one sequence of uh, Dawn of the Deaf reminded me of. Bits of the subtitles would get obscured by people's bodies moving between them and you. While this, at the same time, the camera is signing. Yeah, making pretty sure that you can see their signs. Although sometimes it's well, a I think it's, camera, so. No, I, I mean, I think it's replicating the effect of if you were trying to eavesdrop on these people, if you could read their signing, mm. their bodies are blocking some of the words. Smart. Doing just a quick Google search, we weren't able to find too much writing from uh, deaf viewers, but. The one or two we were able to find seemed positive about it. Uh, it's on YouTube. If you decide to watch it, know that it has deaf actors, but also the main roles are played by hearing actors because they're also in this film. And there's a lot of ableism and some incest shit. That's a mini recommendation inside this recommendation for this film. <laughs> but yeah, most of the leads from that and the director then came together again to work on Host, which... God, I just like so much. This was a fun watch. I'm, I'm glad that the, that the listeners picked it. It's an interesting short seance movie. Mm-hmm. Like this is seance horror, which we don't do a lot, which is funny because we both find the history of, of the spiritualism movement really interesting. Oh, yeah. Bring me that <laughs> info about the Fox sisters. I'm into it. But yeah, personally, I have the least amount of experience across genres with seance horror and possession horror because raised Catholic that shit still wigs me out. Like, above and beyond other types of horror, the idea that you could, your sense of self would die and your body is still ambulatory. I don't know why it freaks me out with ghosts more than zombies, but it does. So I am less familiar with the tropes that go into this type of movie, which is kind of a neat experience. Yeah. So much of what we watch is like, is this not scary or am I just desensitized? (laughs) I don't know anymore. Now, you may have noticed the, uh, 56 minute time limit and that's because part of the conceit of this movie because it's taking place over zoom is everybody's just got the shitty trial version of zoom are there people who pay for real zoom like my job does nobody else so everybody who works at my job can zoom one another for essentially unlimited amounts of time but no (laughs) now i don't use zoom for my work how well did it replicate the the horrifying experience of trying to use Zoom for any kind of function? It was a little smoother. I like, despite the the issue of you know dropped calls and stuff like that, it looks smoother than Zoom tends to actually be in practice. That's because nobody wants to see people fit, coming in and out of the room four times to to get their audio to work. That's not entertainment, <laughs> and. It doesn't feel like we're necessarily watching from one specific Zoom screen, if that makes sense. It feels like the screen we're seeing with all of the um, readouts is sort of a designated or Zoom screen Mm -hmm. because the camera placements are pretty persistent and, and different people's 
screens of a given meeting will actually shuffle the other participants around. Oh, so it's like um, what Hangouts used to do where the person Right, so somebody talking... might be on the left or somebody might be on the bottom. Mm-hmm. You can set it to specifically only show whoever's making the most noise. This feels a bit more like there's a, st- a streamer coordinating it in the editing because sometimes the primary speaker will have the, the largest share of the screen. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes it'll be split between two participants. Sometimes there's and a sometimes weird thing. we get you know the whole six or whatever mm-hmm. screens. So it feels coordinated but purposeful. They're making choices about how to use the Zoom interface concept. And yet it feels a lot more naturalistic than a lot of people compared this to Unfriended, a movie I only watched part of because I got really bored. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I know people have been talking about Unfriended lately. It's um, a girl commits suicide after bullying and decides to crash somebody's group chat. As a ghost? And shit goes wrong on their computers and it's doing something similar with the interface play. Mm. So this is becoming its own genre probably and i'm kind of into it yeah i mean another of the ones we were considering and letting you folks vote on was cam which also uses that sort of pov Mm -hmm. and we are definitely going to watch for the podcast or not at some point yeah heck yeah so the plot of this as you can imagine is pretty straightforward because of the technical limitations both in and out of universe group of friends who are all kind of assholes but in that low-key way like, like they're in their 20s right like they're fucking around but they're not but, human monsters but, like in a slasher movie but they're all in quarantine right and they live sort of all over the uk i think um some of them might live farther i don't know some of them are american a couple of them live right across the street from one another they have organized a zoom party for the evening and i am going to pull up their names because yeah and Haley who is the character we sort of start with. Yes, she is. she is hosting the meeting. She has arranged for them to do a fun thing. She has done a couple of seances before, and she thought it would be fun to do one over a Zoom call. So she has gotten her acquaintance who is a psychic. Salem, who has, has strong, your aunt who reads the funny newspapers, energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can smell the patchouli through the screen. It's kind of a mix of you've got the one friend who's done it before and it's like, this will be a fun thing. And one friend who's the scaredy cat, which is Caroline. I believe that was Caroline. Yeah. And then there are the asshole friends, Gemma (laughs) and Alan, but especially Gemma, (laughs) who are here to play a drinking game with this silly woo nonsense. Yeah. But they're in a movie, so it's not woo. (laughs) Gemma's glasses are amazing, though. They are. She has the biggest, most bejeweled glasses I've ever seen, and I love her. She is a shit person, but like... Awful, but also endearing, which is such a hard thing to pull off. And then there's Radina, who's sort of the regular friend. Mm-hmm. She she knows what's going to go down, and she is not actually scared that there are going to be ghosts. Even though Haley is very certain that you should all treat this seriously, even though we are having a silly... But Radina's partner is home, and it's kind of amazing how little interaction they manage to have while conveying that quarantine is tough. Yeah, I feel like that is the major influence or the importance of her as a character, is to have that element of, oh, you made this choice, huh? Oh. Like, you moved in for quarantine. 
And it's a new relationship, huh? Yeah. Ooh. I don't think he actually gets any lines. No, he kind of putters around in the background and, and then, then is... Uh, and then... Yeah. So they start the seance and they all sort of go through the motions of, uh, you know, imagine a chord for yourself. Right. And um, Alan brings a spooky clown to the seance, but he, his girlfriend demands that he drop the call because we, the Chinese food arrived. It starts out, you know, pretty normally. And then Gemma f- is very affected and says that she feels the presence of a classmate who had committed suicide. She can feel hit a weight on her neck. And, and he hanged himself, and his name was Davy, and he was always kind to her. And then Salen drops out of the call. And then while she's gone, Gemma reveals this great prank that she has got done in inventing something to happen during this obviously bullshit seance. <laughs> Caroline is not pleased. She didn't want to do a seance to start with. And now you are, you are scaring her on purpose, and you're a jerk friend. Which, true. True. But also, Gemma's a very good actress. <laughs> She's really good. It's so hard to be the unlikable character in a horror movie who does all the things you're not supposed to do. And she just carries that role admirably. <laughs> a tip of my hat to her. You can definitely sense that she's been the shit stirrer in, in this friend group for years. But there's some kind of history here that... Mm-hmm. You're kind of stuck with her? Yeah. <laughs> everybody's mad at Gemma for pulling this and, you know, because it's ruined the evening. But then they get Salen back and Salen is upset because he done fucked up. Oh, apparently by inventing a ghost that doesn't exist, you create kind of a space of the cir- the open circle. Right. That just anything can come into and pretend to be because there's no, there is a name, but there's no there there. So, it, they describe it as a mask, which will be relevant later. Presumably, this is a demon that has taken advantage of the opportunity to wear the mask of Davy. Stuff starts going weird. Like, in Carolyn's house, she starts hearing noises from the attic and she carries her iPad or whatever up with her. To- <laughs> Which is, she gets a selfie stick first uh-huh. for her iPad. <laughs> to hold the iPad up and look around in the attic. Which doesn't make sense because how is she seeing anything? But the chat can see it, and that's what's important. Uh-huh. I want you all to look at it, because I don't want to look at it. There are some very <laughs> are nice- some dangling legs up there. Mm-hmm. Upsetting. A lot of the effects in this first half are very underplayed in a way that I love. I love when horror has the confidence to do that. Yeah. I like that somebody was credited specifically for playing the legs. Good job, legs actor. I always like to think about who does the makeup for those, that particular look of like the J-horror-inspired ghost. Yeah, the, where, the really pale blue flesh. Uh, but that also just looks like you patted a whole bunch of dirt for like an hour onto them. And there's some good stuff with chairs moving around, you know, just being flung across the room. And then they start to get into the effects work, you know, because they can't, Salem tells them that, that they fucked up and then they lose her again and they can't get her back. Her internet's gone down. So... They decide, okay, this is freaky, but we'll we'll just close the circle and tell it to go away and we'll apologize for confusing it. Mm-hmm. Haley decides to do this. Because she is the most experienced, so obviously she's going to fix this. She does not. <laughs> she does not. This does not work. The ghost specifically starts messing with her by moving her chair around. Radina can't figure out where her, her partner went. He, he's not okay. Friends, he is not okay. 
So Rodina goes to try and like find her partner and just walks away from the camera. And Caroline goes to her screensaver, yeah. which is a great use of technology. Yeah, because Caroline's screensaver is a looping gift she recorded of herself moving around her bedroom. And you don't notice it at first because it could just be something she's doing as like a soothing thing. Yeah. Like it is a well-placed use of the technology. And then Emma uh, has a house instead of an apartment. So she goes downstairs from her bedroom because what are you going to do at this point? And sees the image you've probably seen on Twitter, if you've seen anything from this movie. It looks very silly in isolation, but in practice... The compositing artist did a great job. It looks really good in movement. It's one of those clear Halloween masks, Mm -hmm. the ones that have a face painted on it but are transparent, so when you put them over your face, it's really upsetting. And it is silly and uncanny, but something about the way that it's positioned in the narrative is really unsettling. That's just good filmmaking, when you can take something silly and make it work because of the atmosphere. Yeah. And Emma turns on a... uh, like a Snapchat filter. So through the entire last half of the movie, she kind of has a snake face just happening. It looks kind of, I kind of thought they were going to go a possession angle with that. I thought so too, but no. (laughs) No, it's just there to be an additional spooky filter. And also just technology. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like this is also happening. Because nothing ever works right when you need it to. So nobody knows where Caroline is for a bit. And then her screen shakes. And it kind of overlaps and breaks the gif where her screen is rattling because she's being slammed against her keyboard. And it's some very great quick makeup that's so good. And then it goes away again. Because she just gets repeatedly slammed against her keyboard until she presumably dies. We don't see her again after that, so I guess. She's dead now. You know she died thinking, I told you fuckers. I did kind of hold out hope for a minute. I was like, is somebody going to survive this movie? (laughs) Maybe it'll be her. No. No. This isn't everybody. No, she's the Freddy cat. Nobody's coming out of this. (laughs) Amadina has been wandering around her apartment for who knows how long, trying to find her partner. And then she finds him. He was stuck to the ceiling. Flonk. And again, really good understated effects work that they just hurdle this guy down from the ceiling at a (laughs) very fast speed. It looks extremely painful. The monster is hanging people, basically, because that's the narrative it was provided with. And she gets dragged through the door then, I believe. Right, and then we don't see what happens to her because it's not on camera. The limitations are, because, you know, it is basically haunted house. Ooh, they went away and they're dead now and something terrible happened to them. But you buy it because it's set up its conceit fairly well. Some of the editing starts to show here because because some of the screens just start blinking out as the editor indicates to us that this character's gone. But even though they haven't necessarily dropped out of the call. yeah. And sometimes it's presented as, like, a certain number of blank screens, but sometimes it just selects one to be focused on. It's good. It's fluid and it feels natural Mm -hmm. as a way to direct our focus. Yeah, it feels like something that could happen in a call program that you have used, even if it's not necessarily true to exactly how Zoom works. Well, and it's just, it's a better filmmaking choice than using a static Mm -hmm. set of screens the way Zoom actually works. And through most of this, Gemma is, nothing is happening to her besides extreme emotional distress. Because <laughs> she fucked up. She fucked it up. But but again, makes me love Gemma because eventually she's just like, fuck it. And she grabs her mask and puts it on. Uh-huh. Which is such a, a little choice. Like, there's a demon, but mask on. Uh-huh. And, and she runs from her computer then. 
Yeah. She takes her phone because we see some shots of jiggling outdoor, but then it sort of drops her. Right. And then we don't see her for a little bit. And we just have Caroline and Emma. And then Alan comes back on. No, is is it Haley? And... Yeah, that's what I meant. Haley and no. Emma. There. Here's the thing. They are a lot of attractive, thin actresses. <laughs> And Alan picks the call back up and is like, is like mid-partying. It's like, I brought my scary clown! Woo! What is up? <laughs> and the ghost, rightly deducing that this is the other shithead friend, <laughs> decides to take care of that. <laughs> In horrific fashion, frankly. Yeah, that, that one is certainly the most extravagant death. Yeah, because for for whatever reason, when filming Alan's parts, they clearly had access to like a whole house and a swimming pool and a barn and pyrotechnics. <laughs> and by God, they were going to use them. All of them. <laughs> and it's good. It's the most traditional like slasher death, but I liked it. It's a nice break. Okay, but it's also just very funny to see a guy with an enormous beard catch on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Again, kudos to those effects people. <laughs> I it do. is horrific. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It's upsetting. Yeah, but this continues to be a situation where if they want to show us the kills, they have to make sure that, like, somebody's phone or computer follows them around and manages to get them in frame as they're screaming and burning to death. And I feel like his comes the closest to breaking that illusion because of all the places he goes with his screen, but... Okay. Yeah. Like, with Gemma, I believe that she's bringing it with her t in case she needs to see something happen. Yeah. But he's, he's come back when most in of this In the middle, it's the pizza gift. Like, he came back with pizzas and oh no. It does kind of suck that he, he dies just because, like, he left before Gemma pulled this shit. <laughs> Technically, he was, he just kind of wandered into the circle and he's dead now. Yep. And then the end of the movie is... Or I guess the climax of the movie is Gemma successfully getting into Haley's apartment. And and Haley has sort of been not seen for a couple minutes because demons were fucking with her chair. And, and they pulled her through the door at the back of her room. Interesting how the movie takes that breather of by simply by using physical intimacy. That's such a quarantine thing. Yeah, because Gemma gets there and... It, and the energy of the moment is that they, they would hug, but, but they, they elbow bump. Uh-huh. And it's so sad. <laughs> it's like, yes, okay, we are together. A plague on, and also a demon's trying to kill us. I will be very interested to see if somebody finds and watches this in five to ten years, just as a, an artifact. Uh-huh. Because of little things like that, that are so affecting now because of the time we're in as we watch this, but could go by, you know, not necessarily commented on. I love that shit in horror. Their only move now is get out. And there's a nice bit where just close the laptop, please just close the laptop. Turn your phone off. <laughs> well, we don't know if that would work. We don't, but like I would have tried it long ago, frankly. Tried I realized the conceit wouldn't hold up then, but I would have tried it. <laughs> It's lacking the insidious just move moment. <laughs> but there's a nice bit where they retrace the film's opening of Caroline cleaning... Fuck. Haley cleaning up her house and walking through her doorways where they go back through and stuff falls back out. Because you gotta get your place looking nice before people see it. And oops, all demons. Yep. And then finally, um, the meeting times out. Like, it's had a five minute warning. 
And finally it times out. The end. The last shot is so good. I yeah. kind of don't want to spoil it. But <laughs> I will say, I am not generally a fan of jump scares. I don't believe that jump scares are never good because you can definitely earn them. But mostly I think they're cheap and overused. We There's some really good jump scares in this, though. Like, yeah. I don't usually fall for jump scares either, but mm-hmm. I, I'm usually not scared of horror movies, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I love them, but they usually don't scare me. You're so familiar with them at this point. It's And horror is so based on surprise, that particular kind of horror, especially. Yeah. So I think this is a very well-crafted film. Yeah, it got it got us once or twice. We jumped at the end. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it was such a pleasure Partly because you come in with low expectations, you're like, oh, it's less than feature length. What's that? It it was made like a month ago. (laughs) It's being distributed over Shudder. I like Shudder. But like, first to streaming? (laughs) And it's so interesting to think about the ways that, that those kind of hierarchies of quality are inevitably going to have to break down now. Direct to streaming was such a, a damning phrase before. Well, and it's nice to see movies of different lengths. Like the conceit of the length also allows them to put in exactly that much information. Which is a problem I think people had with Unfriended is that it felt bloated to reach that feature length. So many horror movies have that, that problem where they could be just tight and scary in 45 minutes, but they got to reach 90 to get a theater release. And this movie is freed from that. And it's much, much better for it. Yeah, the the pacing is really good. And the fact that they tied it to an in-universe reason. You know, the plot is simple, but it's just enough. And the actors all have chemistry with each other because they've mostly worked together before. So even though they're not physically in the same space, there's a warm rapport that you get invested in. And there's not really any backstory established, but there's enough interaction and dialogue without feeling stagey that you've kind of understand who these people are to one another right like the little touches of oh they moved in together after a month for quarantine (laughs) there's so many little touches like that that can go a long way to making something feel real without having to have a very stagey conversation for two minutes that just drags the whole thing down or like cut over to this Uh no you you get what happens in front of the camera and you sometimes that doesn't work but there's definitely i want to I want to see these people do more together. Yeah, and it's better than a lot of sort of found footage genre films in that way, Mm -hmm. I think, because the cameras are also a communications medium in-universe, so it makes sense for the characters to continue interacting with the cameras. Mm -hmm. Like, I know Blair Witch has kind of, it's kind of a punchline anymore, and sometimes rightly, but I feel like part of what made it so iconic is that it did have that same kind of pragmatism to what film it like what's the film doing here Mm -hmm. which you know something something cannibal holocaust (laughs) does cannibal holocaust deserve to exist but it does and we have to talk about it we talk about found footage yeah i maintain that yep and it it has that same issue of all right it's doing something specifically with found footage and with this 1970s as the generation that turned horrific violence into a nightly news event and the questions around desensitization there purposefulness has always been part of the best elements of found footage stories rather than i don't know we have a camera because now we can just have the actors hold this as we do the thing and so much of that gets lost waiting for the first tiktok horror film 
if it doesn't already exist. It probably could, but I, I feel like it would work better as like an ARG type thing. Mm. This would, Which I mean, definitely, this has its its sort of tendrils out to there too. Like the Lonely Girl 15s and mm-hmm. single person staring into webcam talking about a spooky thing. And we can afford one effect, so we'll wander out to see the one effect. Which, you know, there are some very good ARG adjacent horror YouTube series out there. It's such a denigrated genre, and I hope that this doesn't get dismissed too quickly, because I feel like already the moment of fascination has passed by the time this episode will be going up, but it really is good. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it as a watch, and I I think more people should see it. I don't even know if I'd watch it again, but I'm so pleased to have experienced it. I might watch it again in a couple years, sort of just to see how a lot of those elements aged. You know, it's not narratively bulky enough to be like, I'm going to watch this for the story and characters. But also, it holds itself up well, even when you know what's coming. Yeah. Yeah, if you're into horror and okay with jump scares, honestly, I think this is well worth your time, especially if you've got a Shudder subscription. I think it can be rented on other services, but... Well, and it's topical, but doesn't feel super exploitative. Right, this isn't some kind of disease horror. Yeah, no, I mean, it's sort of dealing with the mundanity and the boredom mm-hmm. as the driving factors relating to the pandemic. It's integral to what's happening, but not because somebody's sick. Which is such a hard line to walk. Good shit, in other words. <laughs> yeah. As somebody who's not often scared by horror, because I don't like think the monster is going to come get me, there are some very good moments where because you start to buy into the sort of the conceit of the interface and it makes you feel present in the seance as well some of the scares are more effective because you you feel integrated into the interactions and it also resists the urge to have just a moment of like coming directly into one of the screens on the zoom call a small film but not Not one that I'd say is little, if that makes sense. There's a lot going on here, and and I'm looking forward to seeing what the people in it do in the future. And also, if you watch it, tell us about it, because I want to see how how other horror fans, and also people who aren't necessarily as steeped in the genre, feel about it. Yeah. Short episode for a short movie. Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) Sorry, listeners, but thank you so much for... For voting like thank you to everyone who voted and commented it's it's not something we necessarily do a bunch because we try to get these scheduled fairly far out in advance but it's fun to do every so often so thank you um and hopefully we will do this again maybe towards the end of the year or sometime next year yeah I don't know. yeah look through the schedule figure it out Thank you so much for joining us. If you liked this you can find more of us by searching for trash and treasures on SoundCloud. Or finding them on on your podcatcher of choice. If you could leave us a rating or review, we would love it. It helps folks find us and it makes us feel validated in our hearts. You can also email us at trashtreasurespod at gmail.com. We love to get mail. Or you can find us on social media. We are on Tumblr at trashandtreasurespod.tumblr.com. Or we are on Twitter at trashpod. I wanted to... One of our email respondents this time around, actually, Sam F. sent us an email asked, um, saying, you know, thanks for the podcast and 
specifically, they wanted to ask, I was curious if you'll ever talk more about Cirque du Freak series sometime in the future. I think you folks mentioned them once in passing, but I was delighted. I haven't heard anyone speak of that series since I was in high school. A long time. <laughs> A little bit. It's, I really do love Cirque du Freak is the thing. I won't make you watch the movie. I fucking hate it. <laughs> I mean, that could be funny too. I mean... I don't know. I'll leave that up to listener response. Because, like, I, I would like to do... <laughs> Poor John C. Riley. <laughs> he really is the only one just snarking his way through that movie, and his anger feels very genuine. <laughs> and he's playing my favorite character, so it's fine. <laughs> I I haven't kept up with the uh, prequel series that was... that Darren Shan has been written writing in the last couple years, but, yeah, I love the original Cirque du Freak. I'm a big fan of the Demonata, which I have tried to sell Dor- to Dorothy as a possible <laughs> drunk book club uh, candidate I once mean, or twice. I mean, I'd read it. <laughs> so that shit is just the rats, but for teenagers. <laughs> All the gore you could ever want. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely, it's not something explicitly in the plans right now, but it's something that could happen in future, because I have a lot of fond feelings about Shan and that series unusual place in vampire literature it's what you read instead of warrior cats right it totally is yes don't look at me like that i'm not ashamed (laughs) just asking i was too old for warrior cats so yeah you would you would have been a a grown-up college student by the time cirque de freak was happening (laughs) yeah and next time is our anniversary episode Woo! very excited for y'all to hear it. I'm almost afraid to jinx it if I tell you what it is, uh, but rest assured, it should be exciting. Sean's been kind of busy with work stuff, so we've been doing a lot of these episodes, just the two of us, to make sure stuff stays on schedule, but rest assured, it will be all three of us next time around. So, until next time, remember your masks, even if there's demons about, and take care of yourselves. Elbow bump your friends if you must be in their houses. Bye, y'all. 